0: Hey, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, supported by 3CR Community Radio, on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri Willem clan of the Wurururung language group in the Kulin Nation. I'm Nikki Stott, and I pay my respects to country and to Elders, past and present. This week on Earth Matters, we're going to pay tribute to a new burst of direct action campaigns by looking at two new forest blockades in New South Wales and Victoria. Later in the show, we'll hear from guest presenter Andy Payne from 4 Z in Brisbane, speaking with Miranda Gibson at the Camp Olney blockade in the Olney State Forest near Newcastle. But first, we'll be speaking with Chris Shiringa from Goongra Environment Centre about how concerned community members and activists up in the Erinundra Plateau have been putting themselves on the front line to protect some of the last unburnt forest of East Gippsland from being logged. So we spoke with you last month about various concerns, including the catastrophe of salvage logging and the dodgy 2030 end date, as well as some of the great work that Gecko's been doing, like the citizen science campaigns. And people can check out that podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash earth matters But another thing you spoke about last month is the logging that's been happening up on the Erinundra Plateau, which is a cooler forest area that's become a critical refuge for threatened species after it managed to escape the wildfires last summer. And today we'd like to talk with you about what's been happening at Erinundra in the last few weeks where concerned community members have been protesting on the ground to ensure that protections will be put in place there. What kinds of actions have been happening up there?
1: Yeah, it's been an epic few weeks for folks out in East Gippsland, protests on the ground have halted logging for the past three weeks, which is really exciting. And basically, folks became aware that logging was imminent, the area was taped out, and there were signs that had been put up. And also, there's a website online that Vic Forest updates when an area is going to be up for logging. And so all of those signs, all of that had happened. And so people wanted to take a preemptive step and get in and really halt the machines from going in. Those protests have continued for the last three weeks. There was a bust a couple of weeks ago. So around six cop cars came and arrested two tree sitters and took down two of the tree sits that were there. But then protesters out there set up a tripod which blocked the road. And since then, yeah, there was still a small group of folks out there just, um, holding camp and making sure that the machines weren't going in there while the lockdown was happening.
0: Last week, 3CR's Juliet Fox spoke with Isaac up in his tree sit at Erinundra as he was about to be arrested.
2: So my name is uh, Isaac Garner and I've been on a tree sit in the Erinundra plateau in East Gippsland for the last 11 days and uh, this morning at 6am the uh, police showed up uh, with uh search and rescue and they uh started the operations to take me down the tree and um yeah it's uh, it's sad because that's um the 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 only response that we've got from uh the andrews government um they haven't acknowledged what's about to happen here, which is that they're gonna after they've they taken me down from the tree their um machines will come in and they'll start log one of the last refugees of unburned forests in East Gippsland. And um, yeah, we believe that um, that's something that uh, needs to be stopped and uh, and that's why, why we started this blockade.
3: And, Isaac, what is the process for them to actually get you down? What are they doing at the moment and what have they been doing since 6 o'clock this morning?
2: Well... Um what they're doing now is, uh, search and rescue, uh, has come up with, uh, some climbing gear and, uh, they're trying to, to get a, uh, rope, uh, to access the tree seat, which is at, uh, 40 meters high. And, uh, when, when, when they manage to do that, if they, if they manage to do, uh, to do so, um, I guess that they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll put me under arrest and, uh, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to go down with them.
3: And Isaac, is your support team still down on the ground?
2: Yes, the support team are on the ground. They're at camp about 200 metres and uh, I'm still on uh, permanent contact with them. And also I have to say that uh, there's a second tree seat that we established uh, nearby. So um, I guess that, you know, they'll have to deal with that after um, they've dealt with me.
3: And Isaac, in terms of um, your arrest, have you been issued with a warning, which would be normal police process?
2: Yes, I have. I have been issued a warning, and a, um, yeah, they've um, asked me to to calm down.
3: Okay, and in. With regard to the area that you're in, is that just for listeners maybe a bit of a description and also is is the logging equipment already in place in that area or is is that something that's still coming?
2: Yeah, so the Erinundra Plateau is um, uh, uh, one of the last unburnt areas in East Gippsland that did burn during the 2019-2020 bushfires. Uh, and, uh, there's, uh, 60 new areas planned for logging that they have been established since the bushfires. And, uh, it's an incredibly important, uh, refuge for, uh, wildlife and for, uh, habitat and also for, you know, it's a place where people of East, East Gippsland come to, um, you know, to enjoy what, uh, what the bush, what most of the bush looked like just before the bushfires and, uh, uh, we have to think that eighty percent of the of the forest of this Gippsland banned during those those uh, bushfires in regards to the uh, the machinery they haven 't uh, moved in yet. We uh, established this tree seed before the machines were about to move in and um, they haven 't they haven't been here uh, since we 've been here.
3: and Do you know what the timber would be used for if they do manage to get in there and log it?
2: Yeah, so, uh, 90% of the, of the trees that are cut down by big forest in Victoria ends up as pulp just to make paper, things like toilet paper. So it's, um, yeah, we think it's a, it's a complete disgrace. It's, uh, really no value, um, of, of those trees once they're chopped and also turned into pulp. And it's just um uh you know uh, an industry that it's already on its w- on its way out uh its deadline to to transition out of uh native timber logging is twenty thirty and uh that was established before the bushfires and uh, uh we you know we think that that transition should be brought forward
3: and isaki you Concerned in terms of how the the safety, I suppose, of them actually getting you down.
2: No, no, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that. I mean, I'm I'm concerned that what's gonna to happen to to this forest yeah. when when we're not here. Really that's that's really what uh what saddens me. But uh also we we're gonna keep uh we're gonna keep strong and we're gonna keep uh uh trying to stop uh logging happening here. I mean this is this is the first area that they're coming uh the first coup that they're coming uh of unburnt in the in the plateau. This 59 more areas. So we have, uh, you know, we have a long, <laughs> a long struggle ahead. And uh, yeah, this is not going to um, put us down.
3: And is that you've been up there for 11 days? It's yes. Wednesday, Wednesday, the 10th of Feb. Now you've done an amazing job. Um, what can people who might yes. hear this do to support you and to protect those forests?
2: Well, firstly, just uh, um, you know, send us your message of support on Save Erinandra, like that's our uh, uh, Instagram and, and Twitter on uh, uh, Gungra Environment Centre, gecko.org.au. Um, we, you know, we we need we need the support of the community. Also, if you want to get involved more actively, just get in touch. Also, save Erinandra at gmail.com, and uh, we'll we'll let you know uh, ways that you can get involved. And, um, yeah, also, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I feel like everyone, uh, should be, uh, uh, in their capacity, just contacting, uh, Daniel Andrews and, uh, and, and telling him to, to stop, to stop logging unburnt areas in his Gippsland before, before it's too late. So that's pretty much it. I just, uh, maybe just say that, uh, you know, this is, uh, just the, the the beginning of uh, of you know our campaign, and uh, we're not going to stop until until logging is halted.
0: So we've had two tree sits, both down now, unfortunately, and then a tripod action. Are you able to talk about whether there might be more actions coming up?
1: Definitely the protests are continuing and there's still a presence out there, a camp. And so we still really encourage people to come out. The camp is outside of the illegal sort of zone. So you're not in any risk of being fined or arrested by just being at the camp. It's it's really nice out there. It's a really, really beautiful area of forest. So for people wanting to escape Melbourne after the lockdown as well, it's a nice place to go just for the weekend, explore the area. It's, It's really, really beautiful. And, yeah, I mean, it's one of the sort of small refuges for wildlife and also of unburnt forests, you know, that escape the the horrific bushfires. So, and, yeah, you really witness it as you're driving up. So it's a very long drive north of Orbos towards Goongra, um, and you can really see the impacts of the fire even just along that road. It's just kilometres and kilometres of burn. And then you finally come to this sort of green refuge and, Yeah, it's scheduled for logging. It's crazy. And so, yeah, we're really keen to keep a presence there and keep protests happening to try and stop logging in the area.
0: So speaking of the area around where the camp is, where people can sort of come and, you know, maintain the presence and also just engage in such a great and worthwhile protest action, but also networking, I suppose, with like-minded people about protecting like this really just such an important area of forest. Can you describe what it's actually like around the camp? When you get there, what will you see? Can you drive actually up to the camp?
1: So the camp's not far off a main sort of tourist track. So when you're driving down, you can really see these really beautiful big old trees. There's an endemic species of eucalypt around the Erinundra area. It's the Erinundra shining gum. Really, really beautiful old trees. But also you can really see the impacts of logging in the area. So there's a lot of younger forests because the logging has been really intense in the area. And so we're really talking about some of these last last patches that are are intact beautiful old mature forests so it just makes them even more important to protect and just around the corner is the old growth forest walk and so that was an area that was scheduled for logging but was actually saved by protests and direct action and citizen science run through gecko Gecko has a long history of citizen science and direct action and having a camp there is really great because it's just a hub and a place for people to come and learn about the different ways of campaigning, learn about citizen science, learn about direct action, meet and network, as you say, with people. So it's a really great opportunity to come and meet and chat with folks.
0: It's not a new thing for Gecko to be uh, up in this area protecting forest, is it? It's been going on for a while
1: yeah, there have been protests going on in Aranundra in for the last decade, possibly longer. It's a really iconic, really, really, really beautiful area. It's not far from the National Park. The fact that there's multiple areas scheduled around the Aranundra Plateau, Cottonwood Range, it's really appalling. These areas are just so important and they just need to be protected.
0: If people are coming out to the camp, what should they bring with them? Are there things that are really always good to bring, like water or other things
1: like that? There's a little camp kitchen set up and it's a communal kitchen. So if you can bring to some little bits of food, like fresh fruit and veg is always really good. But yeah, there's a water source and a creek not too far from camp and there's some big water containers and stuff there. So you don't have to worry too much about water, but definitely um, self-sufficient camping. So if you've got a tent or a car sleeping set up, then that's really good. And also lots of warm clothes and wet weather gear, even though it's summer um, there and under plateau can get quite cold and wet and rainy so certainly prepare for colder weather if you're planning to come out and definitely um you can get in touch with us at gecko if you are planning to come out we can give you the details of how to get to camp and more information about what you might need and what to expect
0: should people just email save gmail at gmail.com
1: yep or you can direct message us through facebook as well and we can put you in touch with the right people and
0: and also yeah. instagram you have got a really good instagram page happening too i know to save
1: Yeah.
0: Just a bit of a quick coverage of the outcomes from the two activists, Isaac and the other person who were arrested last week. Has there been sort of any information on outcomes for that in terms of supporting them? Like do they have fines or do they have a court case sort of scenario?
1: We're not sure at this point, yeah, whether they'll just get a fine or whether they'll have to go to court. So usually you get in the mail, yeah, like a fine or a summons. So I suppose in time, I guess, we'll know sort of what kind of support they might need. But if you did want to support Gecko and sort of the campaigning work that we do, that's also really important. You can just um, donate to our website.
0: You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Next up we have guest presenter Andy Payne from Brisbane's 4ZZZ speaking with Miranda Gibson at the Camp Olney blockade in the Olney State Forest near Newcastle.
4: We're going to chat now with Miranda Gibson who is in New South Wales um, trying to protect the Olney State Forest. Could you start by introducing yourself?
5: Oh, yeah. My name's Miranda Gibson um, and I'm one of the people for forest defence,
4: New South Wales. And there's a new uh, forest blockade camp in New South Wales being set up at Olney, which is uh, in near Wallamai National Park, north of Sydney. Um, can you tell us a bit about Olney and why that camp's been set up?
5: Sure. Yes. Basically, we've been like keeping a bit of an eye on the Olney forest because it's one of the areas. In New South Wales, that did survive the bushfires. So it's pretty unique in that a lot of areas around there got pretty smashed by the fires, um, but it's still intact. And this particular patch is just really spectacular. It has heaps of, like, really old trees with lots of hollows. We know there's lots of wildlife in there. So we've kind of been, you know, keeping an eye on it. And we actually had an event out there... Um, a couple of months back for the big canopy camp out, and we had people come out and we uh, slept up in trees, and it was a really great event. And, um, you know, w- when we were there, people were pretty determined to, to say, well, if they do come in to log it, when they come back and defend it. And within about a month of that, um, we actually found that machines had gone in there to start logging. So we decided to respond by setting up the camp. Mm-hmm.
4: It's not an area that has been the site of a lot of that kind of frontline environmental protest when we think about New South Wales it's more sort of further north um, around Coffs Dorigo or northern New South Wales or in the far south. Is there much history of attempts to protect that area?
5: Well, there hasn't really been a lot of protest in the area in quite a long time Um, so it is interesting because I guess the forestry and the loggers haven't really dealt with protesters before, so it's sort of a new experience for them. Um, so yeah, I guess we, you know, it's, it's something that we're sort of like building up momentum from, from scratch in terms of like building some connections to the local community and other people around who visit the site. Um, but I think what's really amazing about it is because where the logging goes right up to the border of the campground, and it's a really popular campground. There's people there every weekend and lots of people using it recreationally. Um, so it's sort of been a really good site in that, in that sense that we've been able to like build a lot of community support, have a lot of community engagement with lots of people that use the forest there. And it sort of like quickly built up a really great, um, vibe in terms of people coming out to camp and supporting it, which is
3: awesome. Mm.
4: Do you think that things like the bushfires at the start of last year and, uh, I guess, forest role as a a carbon sink and things like that has changed the way that uh, we're talking about forests and relating to them?
5: Oh, definitely. I think the bushfires had a really big impact. Like, we can see how much, you know, that, like impacted Australia like all across the country and so many like people were watching as, you know, the wildlife were like needing to be rescued and we're seeing that just large tracts of forest were being lost. So I think it actually has like created quite a shift in terms of like perspectives of people around the country and realising that the areas that have survived are like really important, particularly for like wildlife habitat and for lots of reasons that those, like, remaining areas need to be protected. So I think we're definitely seeing a shift in, like, community perspectives and m- maybe just a bit more awareness of the importance of protecting those areas.
3: Mm.
4: Uh, the the blockade camp is something, I mean, you have a lot of experience with it, but it is something that's sort of a, a controversial thing and in some ways has often been a, a kind of last resort if you try try to protect the forest through other means and then if you can't do it, um then you take that kind of frontline action of physically stopping machines uh why in this case why was that a step that you guys decided to take
5: well i think like it sort of is a situation where you know we went in there the logging machines were there and if we didn't go in and start blockading then you know, then it's kind of like it's going to be too late. The forest is going to be gone. And, I mean, I think what's been really amazing is how successful it's been. So, basically, we set up the blockade and the very next morning the loggers turned up and, you know, within a few hours they had made a decision to remove the machines. So, we're sort of hoping at this point that the camp will actually act as a deterrent and stop them from trying to come back in at all for that area. So, yeah, I think that it has been a really successful strategy. I guess, like you say, like people often sort of refer to it as a last resort sort of situation after you've tried lots of things. Um, I guess if we look at the forest campaign as, you know, not just this particular patch, but a broader perspective of native forests across Australia, I think there's lots of other aspects to the campaign that have been going on and have been going on for decades. And it sort of feels like now, more than ever especially after the bushfires you know that actually we kind of just need to get in there and protect those last remaining patches before we lose them all so i guess that's why we felt like it was really important to get in there and actually physically stop the logging from happening
4: Mm. and you personally have a lot of experience with blockading um i guess maybe do you want to share a little bit about your past doing this kind of activism
5: yeah, sure. So I guess, yeah, I've been doing forest blockading for many years, um, mostly in Tasmania and a bit of Victoria. So it's kind of more new to me to be blockading in these forests in New South Wales. Um, in, when, in my time in Tasmania, I guess the most sort of well-known action that I took was when I was up a tree for 14 and a half months. So, um, yeah, that was in, in Tassie and I guess was a really successful action because it developed a lot of like momentum and media attention and helped a part of a bigger campaign there to protect a bunch of forests that we eventually won as World Heritage. So yeah, I think from my experience in Tasmania and other places has kind of given me the inspiration to see that this tactic can be really successful and, you know, can be an important part of of the process of getting places protected. So, yeah, like, for example, in Tassie, we had a blockade there in the Florentine for about seven years and eventually got World Heritage Protection through that blockade um, and through other aspects of the campaign. Um, but I do see, like, the direct action part, the blockading part was so essential there because if we hadn't gone in and physically stopped them from logging and, and kept the kept them out, then, you know, that whole valley would have been destroyed in the meantime before there was ever a chance to kind of get that World Heritage status confirmed. So, yeah, I think it, that those lessons of what I've learned from Tasmania is kind of what I want to bring to what we're doing in New South Wales as well. And and I think that, you know, we are making a really strong stance here and it has been really successful so far. And I think that if we can kind of keep the momentum going, that, you know, we might be able to um, get them out, keep them out of of this particular area, um, but yeah, I think you know a lot of forest protests in the past have been focused on sort of one particular patch of forest, and I guess we're trying to avoid that in some way. So even though this is a beautiful area, and you know we want people to come and visit it and and fall in love with it as we have, we also want to highlight that it's you know it's not just about protecting this one little patch, but making a change in terms of the way native forests are being destroyed across the country and the way that industrial-scale logging is operating across the country. So I guess trying to have that local focus while also having a bigger picture as well.
4: If people want to find out more about Olni and the campaign there, how can they do that?
5: So people can visit our Facebook site. So our group's called Forest Defence New South Wales. You can find us on Facebook um, and you can shoot us a message on there if you want to find out some more or come out to visit the camp. Um, it's pretty easy to find so yeah if people are local to the area we encourage them to come out but if people are further afield then you know there's lots of other ways to support as well so I guess one thing we're trying to do at the moment is just really spread the word because it's pretty new so yeah if people can help us out by sharing it on Facebook or other social media platforms then that's like a really great start to kind of help spread the word about what we're doing
4: All right, thanks very much Miranda good work down there
5: Awesome.
3: Thank
0: you. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. And today on the show, we spoke with two new forest blockades in New South Wales and Victoria. Andy Payne from Brisbane's 4 z program, Paradigm Shift, spoke with Miranda Gibson at the Camp Olney Blockade. And you can check them out at Forest Defence New South Wales on social media. And you can also check out other great radio by Paradigm Shift at pshift4ZZZ.wordpress.com. We also heard from staunch tree-sitter Isaac, who was arrested up at the Erinundra blockade last week, and Chris Shuringa from Gungara Environment Centre about how concerned community members and activists are up in the Erinundra Plateau, protecting the last remaining unburnt forest in East Gippsland from being logged. And if you want to touch base with that campaign, go to gecko.org.au or check them out on your socials. And you can find our Earth Matters podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash Matters. And if you're listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced with the support of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam. And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. That's all for this week, so tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories.
2: you.
1: When you compare an old-growth forest compared to a forest which is regrowing after a disturbance like logging, they're actually quite different ecosystems.
3: We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377.
1: Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local Issues.